Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota, who's a great Ram Nation partner, has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, and Loveland communities since 1968. They're a family-owned and operated business, and they're committed to making the car buying and service experience smooth and stress-free with a friendly and accommodating staff in all their departments. Inventory is still an issue in the car business today, but Peterson Toyota prioritizes their inventory for local customers, ensuring that you have the best selection around. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa. I've got Michael Rowe and Steve Ivey of Crackers College Hoops blog. It's been a little bit absent lately, dealing with some family stuff over the last couple months. Um, it's been a while since I've seen, I just crave after every loss. I, I, I can't wait to read his analysis. So I've been missing that recently. But um, in a little bit, we're going to have CSU basketball head honcho Nico Medved on to talk little Ram hoops. And that's going to be a kind of a timely conversation considering the, the ups and downs that we've seen this season and the tough loss to air force last night and much more. So I guess uh, before he comes on guys would love to get your thoughts on that. What I would call a brutal loss at, uh, against air force last night. I know it was short preparation for us. Uh, and the zoomies had a full week to prepare, you know, Nico's now eight and one against air force, which is, you know, pretty impressive considering how quirky they are and tough to prepare to prepare for them. Um, and so it's still an impressive mark, especially because that includes four road wins in the Springs. But it's just the way that the Rams lost this game, in my opinion, that was frustrating. They kind of got out wanted and, um, you know, regularly beaten on the glass, particularly in key situations. So exemplified late in the game, there was a moment when uh, the freshman Petratus kind of wanted a rebound a little bit more than we did and basically ripped it from us in a key situation there and, and kind of changed the game, kind of sealed the game. So thoughts. Steve, go ahead. I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, I, there's no, no reason to sugarcoat what happened last night. Uh, you hit on the, uh, the, uh, the air force having a week to get ready for us coming off a bye, And we had a really short, uh, uh, turnaround from Saturday to Tuesday. We didn't even get till Wednesday. And uh, two days is a, is a short amount of time for an experienced team. Um, they could be ready, but you've got a lot of guys that have never played against Air Force before. And it sure showed in the first 10 minutes of that game, uh, we were completely unprepared. And I don't know how many uncontested layups they shot. Um, but then it looked like things were going to turn around. Uh, you know, we started playing better defense. We gave up 20 points in the first 10 minutes and 10 points in the second 10 minutes and started creeping back into the game and then, but could never do anything consistently on offense. And then air force found one simple action that, uh, that included just a simple screen with their big man up top. Uh, we would go, we, we wouldn't go, uh, we would switch. 
and watch the big man roll to the hoop and dunk. And when, uh, when other guys went to the hoop and missed, they got the rebound and dunked. And it seemed like they spent the entire second half with the ball dunking on our heads. And that was extremely disappointing watching us not compete for rebounds, watching us not uh, defend that, the, the, the action that they were running when it was repetitive. And then going down the stretch, we were still in the game. And then offensively, we made too many mistakes. Um, I don't think we're going to see a worse game from Isaiah Stevens. Um, he was off. Um, he's easily our best player and he's our most influential player. And it's obvious that this team is not going to do very well if he's not at or near his best. And he certainly wasn't at his best yesterday. We don't have right now what looks like the horses that can pick it up uh, around him. Um, Patrick Cartier was great. Um, they're running uh, nice little actions for him to get him isolated one-on-one -on -one, and he's making layups, but, uh, but that wasn't enough. That was a, a, a case of just too little on offense and defensively uh, this team has no ability to keep uh, a team from uh, basically scoring at the rim repetitively. Mike, you know, we, we, we were chatting privately last night during the game. So I know a lot of your thoughts, but why don't you share them? You know, you, you bring up a good point on, on, I mean, just basic cutting straight to the basket and, and quick pass and the layup and dunk and, if they missed it, how many backside boards? I mean, you talked about the, the, like that rebound dunk. I mean, it was all coming from the backside too, which means the guy crashing in wasn't getting boxed out at all. And it wasn't, and it wasn't, it wasn't like it was his man that was coming over for a double team. It was his man was staying at the top of the key at the perimeter and guys just going in and, and dunking. This team's kind of fractured. It's it's kind of ironic that. You know, the hashtag is team together, team together, but this isn't a team together. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but it, it, it just seems that honestly, it seems like when one player gets the ball, <laughs> he wants to do something. And if another player gets the ball, then they want to do something. And I think last night we saw it come to a head with, you know, our two senior leaders that it just doesn't seem like it's clicking right now basically having their worst games of the season with Tanjay and his turnovers and, and Stevens taking some ill-advised shots. I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that shot selection and it just seemed like everything else just is crashing around it with, with whatever's going on. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah Rivera, strong first half, great first half, and was doing the stuff that we saw him doing over those first six, seven games where he would get the ball on the perimeter, would be comfortable to take that shot if it was there, or he would do that pump fake and then attack the basket, get the, get the lay in, or he would get him backing up and then he would stop and hit that mid-range. And then for whatever reason during the second half, he stopped getting the ball. I mean, they stopped moving the ball up top, and, and I don't know what. It, it, like I said, it, it just seems like this team is is not on the same page at all. Well, you mentioned Stevens' rough night shooting. He was 6 for 22. There were a couple ill-advised shots there. I think that is what you get when the team is desperate to make a basket and no one's really doing so, and he feels like he's got to be the guy to to do it. and. 
you know, but he also missed some, some shots that he doesn't normally miss those mid range jumpers. How many did he miss last night? He just, just was off. And, you know, it's almost like this is, is becoming contagious <laughs> amongst this team. But the other thing that you mentioned was, was Tanjay and man, we love the guy. He's been a great partner for us. And, and, um, He's been a great, he's had a great career here. He's, he's had some pretty up and down season, right? I mean, last night was not a good one for him. Two of eight shooting, he had the five turnovers and a couple really untimely turnovers in that game. That uh, late travel was a killer, you know, so. so the, the pick six too, he threw a bad yep. pass to Isaiah that converted the, to a got, layup yep, the other way in the, the second yep. half. You know, that was, that was a play that like, honestly, both of them were lazy on it. I agree. You know, it, it was just such a. I don't even know what kind of pass it was. It was just light. And then Stevens was just flat footed. Like was just sitting there and boom. Yeah. Like you said, a pick six, you know? Yeah. I, I, I was wondering if you watch where Isaiah was positioned on that, he was positioned right at the top of the circle. Normally he's out about six or eight feet beyond the circle. I'm not sure he was even expecting the pass at that point. I'm not sure. I think that was just an ill-advised pass to the wrong place. Um, the other one, John threw a horrible entry pass, I think, to uh, I think to Cartier that was so soft that it wasn't even close and was an easy, was just an easy interception. Um, just the, and that was, I think, in the final five minutes as well. Um, you know, you just can't you, you can't make those kind of mistakes. And if you look at, at this, the, the way this team is built, uh, one of the things this team doesn't do is turn the ball over. Um, they had, I think, two turnovers against San Jose State. They had only six against 20, what, 26 or 27 assists against Fresno. Last night, they had nine turnovers. Uh, Tanjay had five of them. Um, the rest of the team had four. And, uh, you know, you can't have one player out of sync with the rest of the guys in terms of turnovers. That was, a, you know, every turnover, you know, if you average uh, one point per possession, every turnover is worth a point. It's as simple as that. And when you throw a pick six, it's worth three points. They had two of those yesterday. No, and, and what, what's frustrating is, is we see we see what could be. You know, again, I know we, we, we texted each other last night and I posted on the board, South Carolina went to Rupp and beat Kentucky last night. Beat Kentucky on the road. And that's a team that we destroyed. We beat them down. And we did it by moving the ball around. We did it by making cuts to the basket, by backdoor screens, off-ball screens, backdoor cuts. You know, we moved the ball well, but we also did it on defense in that game where we we moved well with our with uh, with our switches. We communicated. We went around. We went around screens, and we're not seeing that. We saw it last Saturday against Fresno. You know. I was extremely impressed with our defense against Fresno, especially them coming off beating New Mexico, their New Mexico's first loss on the season of ranked New Mexico team. And we looked great on defense against Fresno. And you saw it, what happens whenever we play well on defense, what it does for our offense. And our defense was just all five guys basically just standing flat footed. And, <laughs> and we were talking about that zone. I don't know what that zone was at all. 
<laughs> I did. I, I'm, I was watching it. And when you say that, I don't think any of us knew what that was. And maybe that's something we should ask Nico about because they looked like none of them were on the same page playing that zone. They right. weren't in one possession. I don't think they were quite sure where they were supposed to be in zone or man to man. And then all of a sudden they start running into this zone and it looked so disjointed. There was no compactness to it. It was like, I, I maybe it's supposed to be a matchup. I don't know, but it was just, it left so many holes. And from my recollection, they ran that zone defense three times and they forced a miss all three times. And all three times Air Force got an offensive rebound and, rebound and scored. And they didn't even come close to getting a rebound out of it, which tells you they were very scattered and all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was frustrating seeing that. You know, you know and it's frustrating when you, when you see Cartier, who's really just, I mean, leading, leading the Mountain West in, in field goal percentage and is just starting to understand, starting to get those points. And it just seems like sometimes when we when – we, start struggling we forget to get him the ball we'll have somebody go one on four trying to trying to bull in a china shop his way into the into the lane and lose the ball or or we just take a horrible shot whenever especially whenever they're doubling in and cartier's open it's it's it we just forget about him sometimes or he gets pulled you know, I like I, I I know that Nico's always and I, and I, I see that that's going to be asked. He always has kind of like a rotation in hockey. And last night he gets pulled out quick whenever he's dominating underneath. So I don't know. It's it's obviously it's frustrating. It's frustrating for everybody. Can't even imagine what it's like for for those within the program. So love to love to hear more about this. All right, well, that'll be a good transition now that we've got the head honcho here. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't have picked a better day to do this, could I? <laughs> right? I'm, ready to take, I'm ready to take my beating, fellas. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, well, Nico, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. But let me be the first to apologize because I may have jinxed this. You know, we were texting the other day setting this interview up. And you mentioned the challenges preparing for Air Force on the short week. And I basically pointed out that I wasn't concerned because you own Air Force at 8-0 coming into that game. And uh, and then I later heard on the TCU Basketball Coaches Show that night, Tuesday night anyway, you mentioned your superstitiousness and you basically cringed when Roth brought up the same point. So I apologize. I brought up the 8-0. I, I take the blame. Well, I appreciate it. I wish I could blame it on that. Um, well, it was difficult, you know, but you got to do difficult things if you want to win and be good. Well, I'm not sure I've heard you that frustrated or disappointed after a loss. Like I heard you last night after the overtime loss to Air Force. And now that you've slept on it and have had some time uh, probably to watch the film, can you put into words your frustration and, and impressions of the game? Boy, that's such a loaded question. I think you always do two things. You, you kind of look at, all right, today, how you feel, you dissect the one game and um, the things we could have done better. I mean, in that particular game, I knew on a short turnaround, especially with, you know, them having a week, you know, we were going to get behind on some things. That's what they do. Uh, but at the same point in time, you know, just disappointed that game was right there for us and, you know, weren't able to just make a couple of the key hustle plays and things we needed to, to grind out a win. I mean, sometimes it goes like that and the game was right there for us. And, 
Um, you know, we would have felt different this morning had we found a way to win. But I think, you know, you also try to take more of a 30,000, you know, foot view of things and try to look at the big picture of where you're at, where you were, uh, what do we have to do moving forward here the rest of the season? And so I think that, you know, there's both of those things you you have to do. The season keeps moving forward here. We got these games keep coming, you know, and you're either going to gonna get on the train and keep moving or let it run you over. And uh, um, so we don't have a lot of time here, but we've got to we've got to figure out a way to improve the group that we have. Well, I know one of the things that you harped on in the post game was the the defense and the rebounding. I know that you pointed out that the defense kind of took a drastic turn for the worse. I think it was since basically after the St. Mary's game, what in your mind has changed there with the team? You know, it's, it's funny you say that I've kind of been, you know, digging through some things and, and looking at it. And really I go back to, and, and again, my, my math could be a little bit wrong here, but I think on November 30th, uh, that was after Loyola Marymount. I believe we were in the low seventies in defensive efficiency. And today I don't get up in front of me. We're 200 um, something. So somehow in the last month and a half, we've taken a drastic turn uh, South. I thought we were trending in a good direction there. Is it ever one thing? No, I think there's a lot of things that go into that uh, guys. Um, some are out of our control. Uh, um, some were, were, but, we have to focus on what is in our control. And probably the biggest thing that stands out to me is our two point field goal defense. And I thought that, you know, at, at that particular time, we had had made a real emphasis um, on our help defense. And I thought we were doing a much better job than we had been in a long time of guarding the lane. And that starts with a lot of things, right? It starts with guarding the ball better. It starts with uh, gap support. It starts with, um, you know, confronting penetration at the at the rim. Um, when you're not in as much rotation defensively, what does that allow you to do? A lot of times you have inside position to block out a little better. We're not the biggest team in the world, the most athletic team in the world. And I think what starts to happen is um, it really started in that Northern Colorado game where we're we're getting so spread out defensively. And now what starts to happen is, um, you're giving up more easy twos, which you're also giving up threes. You're giving up more offensive rebounds. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's really, you know, has spiraled this down, uh, downhill and we're not really taking away much of much of anything. And, you know, sometimes with, you know, where we're at right now, um, as a team, you know, we're not gonna be able to take away everything, but we've got to figure out what we need to take away, uh, um, to try to give ourselves a chance to be better on that end. Hey, hey, Nico. So last night, uh, something reared its uh, kind of ugly head. Recent issue with the inability to finish defensive possessions with uh, with rebounds. It seemed like uh, Air Force players regularly had free pass to the basket to create easy easy putbacks. And I mean dunks. Um, and it, it's something we've seen over the last month. What, what do you see as the real reason for that issue persisting? Again, I think, you know, the easy thing to point at, and there's truth. I mean, there's been a, you know, sometimes a a, a lack of us, the, the grid and a smaller player willing to put their body on a bigger player. And sometimes it's not just that guy getting the rebound, but you eliminating your man and um, the next guy coming in and, and, you know, really rebounding as a team. I, I think there's some of those plays that, 
you know, you can just with a 50, 50 ball or whatever it is. But I also think it kind of goes back to my other point. I think that we've really sometimes maybe getting a little too spread out defensively. We've been in rotation a lot more lately. And when you're in scramble mode, especially when you don't have as much length, uh, so there are teams, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be in some tough blockout situations. And so I think it's a combination, Steve, of, of maybe all those things. And, and, uh, and, and yeah, we are where we are. We were doing a decent job in that area early in the year, especially for being smaller. Um, but we're not there right now. And, and, you know, we can make excuses, you know, all we want, but, you know, we've had smaller teams before that have found a way to, to, to do it on that end. And, and, you know, we, we either got to find a way to be better or the results aren't going to change. So and just to, to, to continue on that, it seemed like a week, Joel and I and Mike were talking before you came on. There were a few possessions. It seemed like you ran a little bit of zone last night and it seemed completely disjointed. And I think you caused misses out of every time, every zone possession, but you also gave up an easy putback. I think three out of three is what I remember seeing while I was watching on TV. Um, That's accurate. But, yeah. Was that, uh, was that, um, uh, and it, the zone looked disjointed. Is that something that you, you were a little upset with when, when you looked at well, the Well, I, I mean, I think again, like, you know, the, the, the zone, something we, we actually had a little bit of success against them last year playing zone. Uh, it's not something we've done a ton, but we've practiced it. Uh, what I would say on those possessions, you know, the, the first shot defense, like you said, I mean, we're, you know, we're a little bit of a scramble, but we're not, what are you trying to do? You're trying to maybe, you know, disrupt the rhythm of their offense, you know, make them maybe have to score or take shots in a different way than they had been. And, um, but yeah, clearly, you know, some of our rebounding responsibilities, uh, um, were not very, very good that way. And, and if we're going to play that zone zone sometimes is harder to rebound out of, that's just naturally what it is. Uh, um, but you're right. I mean, we were able to actually maybe force them to take some shots we wanted them to take. And, and we just were not able to come up with, with any key rebounds there. Running with a theme of something you mentioned earlier regarding just, you know, having to tough it out and, you know, make a play or even you knew you're in a rough game and, you know, you're in a, a perfect situation in the last couple of minutes, you're still right there. Um, I had a question just about kind of a last uh, late, late play call. Uh, you called a timeout. Well, we had a ball. Uh, we had the ball up one point, 108 left on the clock uh, and up one 28 seconds on the shot clock. And uh, I was just curious. So what were you trying to do there? It seemed like it was a good possession. You had so much success with I, I mean, Isaiah wasn't making things, but he was scoring a little bit and you had Pat getting the ball down low. It seemed like a good time to be running maybe some uh, some clock and just a simple two man with Isaiah and Pat. And instead, you put the ball in John's hands and he traveled right away. Or what yeah. what was the what was kind of the what were you drawing well, up there? It's a play we work on. We, we have in our arsenal that we've done it before. It's kind of a misdirection. We were in the bonus at that point. And, um, you know, we we felt like. Um, they are switching all these actions, the DHOs and everything like that. And, and uh, we felt like we could get kind of a keeper action that we work on with John. John's really good going downhill, um, getting on a guy and getting to the free throw line. And he clearly slid his slid his pivot foot. You know, Isaiah was coming off for a handoff and, you know, hindsight's 2020 and, you know, maybe we could have gone to gone to something else. You know, John's a guy we're trying to show some, some confidence into, you know, that way. And it's a play we had practiced and, you know, had some success and 
thought maybe we could get them confused on a little keeper switch and be able to to do it and we just we we drug our pivot foot you know we'd really made a poor fundamental pivot there and uh turned it over and um tough yeah, I was, I was curious also, was that uh, he was matched up on Petratus who had four fouls. Were you hoping to get a fifth foul on him? You know, we, to be honest, we really didn't even think that that far ahead. You know, at that point with that much time left, you know what I mean? The game is being sided in, in regulation. Um, but we thought, you know, we 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 had the floor kind of spaced how we wanted it, to be honest. The paint was wide open right there and, you know, felt like if he could get his shoulder on him right there, he was going to get John's really good straight line driver that he could get, you know, downhill and, 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 and do it. And then, you know, we had a shot to win it there late in the baseline out of bounds with, you know, to that, they can be tough. I thought we got a clean look for Isaiah on that. We went, you know, back to him and we just really, unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalize in either of those situations. All right. Well, we've talked enough about last night, <laughs> right? Keep talking about it. If you want. I mean, I, I know I'm going to keep thinking about it. I know I didn't sleep. So yeah, whatever guys, that's, Hey, what, what, one thing, uh, Michael, you go, you know, what, what, one thing you learn in this, you know, we've been fortunate. We've had three really good seasons here and been doing a lot of, a lot of winning. And, you know, I know a coach told me once, you know, if, if you, I know how I feel right now and, you know, fans feel the same way. If you don't ever want to feel like this, you should have never got into coaching because, if you're in this profession, you're going to have times like this and you're going to have seasons and things like that. And unfortunately you're not immune to it. And so um, you got to take the good with the bad sometimes. And, and we're in that kind of a, a, a phase right now, but, but we're going to keep plugging away. Sorry, you know, if Nico, I, you know, I, and I appreciate that, that mentality because I think the, the other thing, I mean, obviously it kills all of us. We watch games. I couldn't be there yesterday. I had to watch on TV and my daughter heard me screaming at my computer. I wondered what the <laughs> heck was going on, but you know, life also has other great victories besides basketball games. And uh, we all get to experience those in different kinds of ways. And, and, uh, I, and I live and die with basketball season. And I know you, obviously you do too. It's your job, but there's other things that uh, that are offered in life as well. And uh, I had some other big victories yesterday in my life. So well, I hope you did. And I hope we talk about that offline too. Cause that's, uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. If that's true, my friend. So I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, I, I love hearing that. I mean, obviously now, um, obviously it has been <laughs> well, well chronicled uh, about our injuries and illnesses for this season. What have been some of the challenges with your staff? I mean, honestly, just how, how are you able to practice, <laughs> you know, with that yeah. many guys out and, and coming up with lineups and, and your kind of lineup changes throughout a game? It's been a, it's been a real challenge. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it seems like every day it's kind of been something different with guys in and out. It, it really, it's provided challenges on both ends of the floor, really more on the defensive end, as far as maybe some of the matchups and schemes and trying to develop some consistency. And, you know, as you're doing that and you're trying to execute, you know, better on both ends of the floor, you know, you need guys in the lineup, you need them practicing, you're trying to, to do things and guys have to learn different spots um, on both ends of the floor. That's been a real challenge. It's been a real challenge to, to practice, you know, quite honestly, the kind of the way we want to, and probably especially with where we're at right now as a team, quite honestly, the way we need to, uh, um, to get better. But, you, you know, 
people have challenges. I mean, I, I think, and I'll probably have my math wrong on this too. I think Mike Brohard told me the other day, now let's make this a big assumption, but let's say nobody gets injured the rest of the year and we're able to play with these nine guys. I still think we'll have like 58 days missed. And I think that's more than the last five years combined, you know, and it's been one of those years, but you know, listen, you can feel sorry for yourself. You can do that. People go through injuries, guys. We've been really, really lucky the last couple of years. We've stayed pretty healthy, you know, especially key guys. And even if somebody misses, it's just been for short periods of time. And sometimes, you know, the fortune goes your way and it just, it, 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 it hasn't. Um, but like I tell our team and I just want, hopefully our fans understand this, that yes, it has provided challenges. Yes. Uh, um, there's been some things out of our control that have, 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 you know, um, um, been part of this, but that's not our focus. We got to worry about what we can control. And there's a lot of things that we can control that we can do better. And that's what you have to do in life. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have things that don't go your, your way. And, um, we've got to be better that way. And so, um, that's our focus right now. And, and this team, both things can be true, right? The injuries and stuff can have played a factor, but the other part that can be true is we can be better with, with what we have. And that's what we have to do. How, how are, uh, Tavy and, and Jalen, uh, reacting coming back off after their almost two weeks off? I think Jalen's been really pretty good. You know, I, I was so impressed with him guys. I mean, he missed about three weeks and he came back and played at Nevada, almost 30 minutes. Um, and you know, the one thing, probably the difference between his injury and Tavy's injury, Tavy's was a foot injury. Jalen's was a shoulder. So at least during that time, Jalen was able to do conditioning and you're able to still run and move. And you're kind of able to stay in some kind of shape when you're, when your foot is hurt, like Tavy was, you're really not able to do any running or do anything. So that maybe is a little bit more difficult, uh, for basketball to, to come back. But I thought Jalen really came back and, I mean, he played terrific defense on Jared Lucas uh, um, against Nevada. I thought he is uh, um, really looked good. I thought he looked really good against Fresno. Um, and, you know, he wasn't perfect last night, but I thought he was he was still pretty solid. Tavy, you know, you're talking about a freshman. There's a ton on his plate. You know, quite honestly, it probably wasn't even fair to him to play him in the San Jose State game. He'd practice once, two weeks, and we were just so desperate to have another body, you know, another guy at, at, on the perimeter. And he probably wasn't ready, you know, and he didn't look ready when he played it. He's just a guy that needs to be on the court. And, um, but I'm so excited about him. He's, he, he, he's, he's, he's healthy. Uh, he cares so deeply. Uh, um, it's just, he needs to, again, like every time he's been able to string a few weeks together and start playing, he starts really making a big jump. And again, I'm confident if he stays healthy, uh, we're going to see where he was again before he got injured. Uh, Josiah Strong has, I mean, battling illness. Any update on him? Um, you know, I don't anticipate him returning this season. Uh, I, th I think that's probably not going to happen. I think there's a, you know, he, uh, um, I think, you know, for him, the most important thing is to figure out what's going on in the young man's health. It's just really been a tough kind of inexplicable situation. And, He's really been a shell of himself since uh, since that happened at the end of September. And um, we just need to worry about him and getting him healthy. And then, you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the future from there. You know, is there an opportunity for him possibly to have a sixth year? Yes, I think that could be on the table. Um, you know, if he decides to play in another game, guys, then he would kind of forfeit the season because I think to get a medical red shirt, it's 30 percent of your games and it has to be in the first half of the season. 
my belief is that the Fresno state games start the mark of the second half. And so, you know, he's already tried this a couple of times coming back. And the last thing I want to do is jeopardize his future. So are, are you talking about the, the medical for the season? Uh, is that the same thing with Kyle Evans? I know that he is out, um, but yeah. will he be able to do the, uh, get that medical? So Kyle, yeah, Kyle's going to have surgery actually tomorrow on his thumb. You know, guys, this is really tragic. You know, right now, the way it stands, Kyle's played one more game. Um, he's over the limit by one uh, to qualify for a medical red shirt. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, things, you know, things change. The one thing that's unique about a medical redshirt, you don't apply for that. Now you apply for that in your fifth year. So after his fourth year was over in the off season, you have the documentation, you decide to apply for a fifth year. So it's really nothing we can do anything about now, but by the letter of the law, he is over the limit. Um, now, I'll probably get in trouble, but I, I would hope maybe the NCAA could have some common sense with his situation, but um, that would be uh, something I, yeah, I don't, there's not always a lot of common sense in that organization. How, how's, how's Jenison doing with his uh, rehab? Good. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's just kind of started to do, you know, start to transition into some land running and more plyos and some, you know, stationary basketball stuff. I think he's coming, coming around this knee was a little bit easier for him because he didn't tear his meniscus last time, you know, completely meniscus and ACL, um, just a difficult role. I mean, this has been two, you know, over two years now. And, and, uh, um, you know, when we did get him out on the court in end of last year in the spring and the summer, man, he was really, really, really good, you know, and we were really excited about him and he has kind of has that size. He's, he's a big human being. If you've ever been around him and been close to him, he's a big human being, you know, and, and, uh, moves well, good hands, but, you know, he just hasn't been able to get to the court. And so, uh, he's, he, he's progressing about like you would expect from that injury. Um, uh, but we don't anticipate him being live in practice or doing anything until maybe we get to spring, you know, start to get to spring workouts. So playing along this, this whole line with injuries, you and I had a little bit of an exchange a few days ago, just about, you know, just your philosophy team. It, it's, it's always been, you know, a very structured approach in terms of player rotations, starting lineup, certain times when people come in the game um, and with injuries and stuff, it seems like it's made just any kind of real game management uh, very difficult just even understanding what your best combinations are at any given time how do you how do you manage your way through that when you're when are you still trying to figure things out or do you feel like you're in a, in a pretty good place <laughs> well i mean if you've watched if you watch last night and you watch the other night i think it'd be hard to say that we've got it figured out <laughs> so we got we still got quite a bit of figuring out to do but i think steve probably the probably the the, the big thing is is now with not these nine you really kind of have eliminated some decisions a little bit. You know what I mean? It's sort of now we kind of are where we are and, you know, now it's our job to figure it out from here, but yeah, it has been challenging with different guys available, different nights, you know, who's practicing, gosh, who are we going to put on Jamal Mashburn jr? You know, gosh, we got this, what are we going to do here? That's not the, the best matchup here. Um, you know, man, but we've been guarding in action this way all year back. Can we really expect our guys to, 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 to do it that way effectively? You know what I mean? In the game. And, 
you know, sometimes the answer is no, but do you really have time to change it up in a day? You know what I mean? To execute it at the level you need to, to beat these kind of teams. And again, those things are challenges, but you know, things you, you, you've been through before, but yeah, it's been, it's been difficult. Uh, we don't have, haven't had a lot of continuity, but you know, hopefully we can get some here at the end of the year. And I felt better after Nevada and Fresno state. And then boom, you know, after last night, I, I obviously, uh, um, well, to say nobody feels good would be the most politically correct way I could say it. <laughs> well, Nico, you were talking about the medical red shirts. What about like regular red shirts? Do you wish that the NCAA would do like they've done with football and allow players to play a certain percentage of games, like, like four games in football and still retain their red shirt eligibility might allow you to get a guy like Jack Payne some minutes and, and, you know, that uh, kind of stuff. I do, you know, I, I, I do the, the, the one thing that's been an unintended consequence though, for football, I think, you know, football obviously had that rule and it all sounded good, but then what's gone on in football, you guys have seen it firsthand. These, now these guys go and they decide, well, you know what, uh, I'm going to play uh, four or five games. And then that's not working out the way that I want uh, coach. I'm not going to play the rest of the year. I'm going to go on the transfer portal. And so right. I think it's had some unintended consequences for football you know, that way. And, and it was the same thing, right. In football, it was also at the end of the season, right. It was a certain percentage of your games. Maybe there's a guy you were going to redshirt, and, um, you know, you're at the end of the year and you know what, let's, let's get this kid into a couple of games here and let's play. That's going to accelerate his growth in the off season, uh, depending on where you're at as a team. And so I would like to see something like that, but you know, there could be unintended consequences as well. And I think so it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, with where the transfer portal is now. So right. that rule got in the place and now we've got the transfer portal. And so in a perfect world, I would, um, but it also probably opens up a can of worms. Very true. Do you think it's on the NCAA's radar at all to do something like that? I don't know. I mean, Not man, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, they've got so much on their plate right now. I mean, this has been, you know, since last, the end of last season, and it now has been the most transformative time I've ever seen in this, in this profession. And it has been a wild uh, off season up until this, this point right now in so many ways. And, you know, I know they've got the transformation committee, they're working on some things uh, uh, to try to make it better. But I, I think the one thing we can probably guarantee is probably look back in five years and things may look, you know, quite a bit different uh, uh, than they've looked the 20 years prior. Well, recruiting has kind of taken on a whole new look for, for college coaches. I mean, it's got all sorts of challenges with NIL these days, but you guys had a particularly challenging off season recruiting season with the way that I guess with the timing of David Roddy deciding to stay in the draft. Can you talk about how that timing affected you guys and your decision-making and your recruiting process? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, it's again, that's a double edged sword because man, how how awesome is that for that young man? I mean, to have a first round draft choice and kids in the rotations for one of the best teams in the NBA. I mean, that's pretty special, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, what what happens is with that, he's one of those guys that the decision wasn't easy, right? So if it's a decision that you know, you know, right after the year, maybe you even know as the year's winding down in January, February, like, all right, this guy's gonna go to the draft, right? He's going to declare it gives you an opportunity, number one, to go out to sell playing time, you know, to recruit like, hey, we've got an opportunity right here at this position. Uh, we've got a good team. Uh, um, look at the role that this guy has. Boom, you can do that. 
Um, number one, you can't do that because you've got to save his scholarship, right? Until June, you have to save this. So you don't even have a scholarship to replace, number one, um, until there, because you have to save that till, till the bitter end. Then even if you were recruiting, you really don't have any playing time to sell. If you're trying to recruit a young man in the spring and you're saying, hey, uh, come, well, they know if David comes back, they're not playing. <laughs> so what guy, you know, what guy are you going to come that's going to make any kind of an impact uh, when you don't even really have playing time to sell? Uh, um, and in some cases, even a scholarship. So that that's a real, real challenge uh, um, that way. And even if we had all those things, guys, I mean, go back and do the math. I mean, how many NBA first rounders like come come through here? You know, those are guys that you're going to have to develop. And so I think those are real challenges. Maybe people don't understand. And then you've also got, you know, you've got some other challenges going on right now in 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 in, in recruiting that I think are, you know, um, some of it's kind of out in the open right now, but it's also, you know, there's there's other challenges here in, 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 in recruiting that we're going to have to figure out here moving forward. I want, I, I think I see what you're alluding to, and I was going to be one of my next questions. How has recruiting changed for you since NIL? Um, I think that, I think it's changed a lot. I think that, you know, um, people have moved in this direction at different speeds. Some people are, 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 are very aggressive. Some people are very, very conservative, um, but it has had a huge impact and particularly in the transfer portal, uh, um, you know, people using name, image, and likeness to, uh, um, to recruit. Um, I think it's not what was intended, but it's really turned into in a lot of ways, not a lot of ways it is kind of a pay for, for play model, which again, wasn't the intent, but, um, that's kind of where, where it's turned. Um, you know, I want to be careful too, because I'm, I'm really, I'm not, you know, against this or for, because I do think there, I think there should be opportunities for athletes and young men to, to, to monetize their name, image, and likeness. And so I don't think it's all bad, but it's not all good either, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, like most things, when there's all this change that happens at once, it really takes some time to figure out, you know, where we need to be on this, where CSU's places is in this, um, how can we compete um, at the level we need to compete uh, um, to be at the top of our league. And, and, and in our case, you know, have an opportunity to, to go to the postseason, to go to the NCAA tournament and, and, and have that kind of a program. And so there's a lot of challenges that way. And it's all happened at once to say that it didn't have an impact this spring. I, I could lie and say it didn't, but of, of course it did. You know, we all hear the rumblings. I don't know how much you're willing to talk about, but are you running into recruits that are flat out demanding money to be part of your program and how do you handle that you know for for me i i i think you know everyone's going to have a little bit different philosophy and and uh i'm probably nor are we the program where if name image and likeness compensation if money is the most important thing to you as a recruit that csu and our program is probably not the place for you you know that's probably not going to be the right fit here um you know, having said that, I, I don't, you know, I saw, so, so I think that's pretty easy. So, but, but yeah, there's some people that that's the most important thing to each their own, you know, that that's, that's the person's decision. That's not my decision. Um, but I, I, I think that, that, yeah, I mean, I think kids are interested in what the opportunities there are out there, where that may look, you know, in the different places that maybe they're considering going to school, what their experience is going to be like. 
Um, and so, you know, all those things, you know, have become a factor, Joel, uh, um, how big of a factor, I think everybody, uh, in every situation is a little bit unique. There are rumblings that like to get in front of key guys in the transfer portal, you had to be willing to, or you had to have opportunities in the NIL space of like $150,000. Is that, is that real? Is that stuff that you're seeing? Yeah, that's real. Wow. Hmm. So you know, it's that way for everybody, but yeah, I mean that there's stuff like that, that is, that is real, you know? So, um, I think, you know, sometimes there's un, it's the right word I'm looking for here. There's maybe uncomfortable truths or, 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 you know, inconvenient truths, so to speak that, that, you know, are, are, are out there, but, but yeah, I mean, there's some of that. Where's this going to land in two to three years? I don't, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, I don't, anybody knows, obviously well, like, again, when things change like this rapidly and there's new legislation and people can do these things, usually people, some people err on maybe, you know, going too far the other way. And, and will it look like that in two, three years? I, I, I really don't know, but but yes, some of those things out there are very real. Do you think there's tampering going on with colleges trying to pick players from other programs? Uh, a thousand percent. I mean, like, and, and, and again, like, that's really nothing new, guys. I mean, that's been going on forever, you know, where, where people, I mean, that's kind of business, right? Where people, you know, uh, um, are able to, you know, work through third parties to, uh, um, express interest or maybe ask somebody, Hey, is so-and-so interested in leaving or would he be interested in coming to our program? I think that that's really gone on forever. I think now maybe with this, the way things have changed, it's maybe more out in the open, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's more just kind of, um, more front and center than it was, but that kind of stuff has been going on, uh, um, um, for years. Kind of shows you how special a guy like Isaiah Stevens is, because I could imagine that he would be one that has been reached out to. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, and and, and everyone, you know, is different. I'm I'm also I'm I'm proud to say, you know, David Roddy. I mean, there was never a talk of him. I mean, he said very, very clearly it was either the NBA or CSU. You know, there was never going to be uh, um, you know, him looking at going to another school. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. And I think that speaks to what he, you know, thought of our program and his experience here and, and everything. And, but again, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm one of those guys, I'm not going to judge young men or people, you, you know, everybody's got their own life and path and, and, and I, and I'm not going to sit here and, and do that. Times have changed. Um, it's going to change for everybody. And, and, you know, we've got to figure out how to evolve in this space. How do we evolve without complete, you know, fundamentally changing who you are and what you believe in. And I think when change happens, that's really what you have to do. And we're kind of in that process right now. It doesn't always happen, you know, at the speed that you want it. Uh, um, but I know one thing, you know, I've been fortunate, we've been fortunate to have a lot of success and, and uh, um, that doesn't mean we can't, can just go and abort what we've done before, but we got to evolve with the times too. You can't just say you're going to keep doing it the way you've always been doing it. And and I think where we find that line is going to be the, the the trick for us moving forward. Hey, how has the uh, green and gold guard efforts helped you guys? I know that John Weber put together the golf tournament that largely benefited your program. How is that? Is that making a positive impact overall so far? I know it's young. Yeah. I mean, I think moving forward, it's going to be a, a, a great thing. I mean, what John and some other people who are working closely with him, the amount of work that they're doing, 
to simply, it's a lot of work, guys, just to set up that apparatus, to set up the the green and gold guard to set up the collective, all the things that go into that and the work. And uh, there was a lot of time that was put into that. And John is so diligent about what he does and wants it done the right way, something that can, you know, really last and survive long term here. And so that part's been really, really good. And now we've got to figure out, you know, strategies, how we use that moving forward in the right way for us, you know, especially for our program, for CSU and our athletes. Um, and I think we can do that. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some education, you know, of our fans or our donors and, and people to understand, you know, how they can get involved in this space and what that means and how they can feel good about it and where those funds actually go. Um, um, but yes, I mean, I, I think it's been great. It's, it's uh, um, you know, wasn't able to help us necessarily in the spring, but I think it's going to have a, a, a real impact here moving forward. One thing uh, we get to see on a regular basis is the uh, quirks of our fan base. <laughs> Let's just say um, on our message boards, one of the common themes is why are we not recruiting more size and length? Um, just not that easy, right? They just don't grow on trees and it's, it's everybody wants that, right? So what are the challenges of finding those guys? I know you, you uncovered a guy in, Aus in Austria. Um, you could talk about him, but um, yeah, what is the challenges of finding those kind of guys? I mean, geez, you, you, you plucked David Roddy and he was a gold mine, but um, they don't come around very often, do they? I think the one common theme you've probably seen, like, you know, for us at our level, those are young men that, you know, recruited out of high school um, and were to develop into those kinds of players. I think without speaking too much further, I think we've kind of covered uh, a little bit maybe of some of the challenges in trying to do that in the transfer portal. Right. <clears throat> I don't know why you can't just get a plug, plug and play four that fills in exactly like David Roddy. I mean, it just happens everywhere, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, in, in it, well, yeah. You know, yeah. again, you know, I, I, I think, you know, that I think sometimes, you know, these conversations too, like this, and this, I'm happy to answer like one thing about me and I hope, you know, people um, like, or don't like, or whatever, but I'm always willing to, to talk, you know, about anything and good times, tough times, and to talk openly about, you know, where we're at, but, you know, some of these two are, are probably good offline conversations over a beer too, and kind of to talk about, you know, uh, um, us and, and what we do moving forward. But yeah, th those are challenges to find that. And, and, uh, you know, we've got to continue to recruit some young players and continue to develop those guys. I mean, I'll say, uh, for example, um, I think a guy like Kyle Evans for us has a chance to be a tremendous player. He's 6'10". He's a good athlete. Um, he's going to have shot blocking ability. He's got great hands, great touch. He's maybe the best passer or one of the top couple passers on our team. He was a baseball player. He's a guy that, you know, is just going to come into his own. Um, and I think he's going to be really, really good. But it's not just going to come in here um, in December of his first year and be able to be that guy. That's what we have to be able to do here uh, um, to develop those kinds of players, you know. Um, and so um, it is. It, and you're right. We don't have enough length uh, uh, sometimes in some spots. We've been struggling to, to rebound at times. Uh, those are things we have to continue to improve. So I know that uh, Joel just brought it up. And we, we signed two guys in the fall, uh, Kyan Evans from KC Mo, go Royals. And then uh, Rashawn, uh, and, I, and I don't want to butcher this last name. Um, Bemba. 
Ah, I would, it was, mm-hmm. that's what I was going to go with. It's yeah. a soccer um, you should get that one right. I know, exactly, from, from Austria. So you, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about both of these guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, again, and I, I'm saying the truth when I say this, but have you ever heard a coach come in here and talk about, <laughs> they're going to tell you how much they love all their, all their signees, right? Like signing day is the greatest day in sports, yep. right? Everybody's one and this and that. And ultimately it gets proved out on the, on the quarter, on the field. We, we just right? don't get the Cherry Creek roundup for basketball. So <laughs> this, is, this is your no, shot. Yeah, no, 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 we should do that. So, so, you know, I, I, again, I, I think one thing that really, again, maybe this doesn't play out today, but one thing that I've found is we've always had a lot of success recruiting high school guys. And what's interesting is as the transfer portal and some of these things are becoming more prevalent, I actually feel like there's more opportunities to maybe recruit even more talent at that level than we've met maybe ever been able to recruit uh, um, just based on, you know, what's going on out there. And you know, both of these young men. So Kyan, I mean, he is a, he is having a tremendous senior year. He's, he's an athlete. He's got great feel and instincts. He can pass on time on target. He can shoot, uh, um, finish. And, you know, if you're following some of the buzz out there, I had a national, I had a national uh, scouting service guy text me that, and he said, Oh my God, I watched your guy play. He goes, you guys got a steal, you know? And so, you know, again, he's going to be a freshman next year, but I think he is terrific. You know, uh, Rashawn is, I mean, he is a big physical, uh, power forward, big, um, rebounds. Uh, um, he's 19 playing against men, you know? So from a physicality standpoint, he is, this won't be an adjustment for him. What will be an adjustment for him is the speed of the game. You know, the level of athleticism in the States compared to what he's playing day in and day out um, is probably better. Um, But, you know, he's also playing national teams. So he's playing at a high level and he's producing against older, uh, um, older, stronger guys. Um, and so that's really, really exciting. So he'll be an older freshman, you know, coming in here next year. And so both of those guys, you know, we think have an opportunity to contribute right away. Last kind of comment here about, about recruiting and, and players and, and transfers and all that, but what percentage of your job these days as a coaching staff is keeping your current roster happy and invested in the program. So they're not constantly hearing the little chirping going on, you know, with, with potential tampering or, or the grass always green on the other side. How do you, how do you put those efforts into keeping guys on board and, and happy here? You know, one thing, Joel, that's nice for me is I really haven't had to change much. I think we've always felt that way, you know, even before all this stuff happened, that that was a huge part of our job was, you know, relationships with your players, spending time, having a pulse, letting them know that, you know, you care about them more than just how they're producing on the court. Uh, um, you know, being able to have fun, to to know them intimately, to put your arm around them when they need you. Um, you know, I, I think all those things have always been a part of who we've recruited, the staff that I try to hire, the culture that we really want to have here in our program. So the good news is I don't really think we've had to change much there. And all you can do is treat people well, um, be honest with them, hold them to a high standard. I mean, I think the best players want a high level of accountability, uh, but they also want to know you care about them. And I think people who come into our program believe that if you talk to our players and they, they know that, you know, the atmosphere here is good. And 
And so I, I, that, that, that's all you can do, you know, and, and, and you be who you are, you be genuine, uh, um, uh, you know, do what you say, say what you do. And, and, and that's kind of where, where it ends. And, and, and we've always been that way, like you said. And so I don't think we've had to change much. Um, you know, I, I, I think you have to continue to have your pulse on everything that's going on with your, with your team and your guys. And, um, these are young men who are growing, who are developing emotional maturity, trying to understand, um, you know, the, the world around them. And that's part of our job. We're teachers at the end of the day, we're here to win games. We know this, everyone does it, but I still view my job as to be a teacher. Um, and I think the best coaches are teachers. Hey, so just, uh, I was thinking about this last night during the game, cause we were all kind of losing our minds, uh, <laughs> with, with the refs, not yeah, because of the game as well, but yeah. like, missed calls by the refs with some travels that air force had and looked pretty blatant. And I know sometimes you lose your mind a little bit, but, um, you keep your cool for the most part. And I don't know how you do it, but I, I believe you've only had one T this year. Have you only had one T, but there's kind of an art behind, you know, the times when you are trying to draw a technical, uh, to give a boost to the team. When do you know that when, it, when it's the right time to get one of those T's and is there a magic word that you use to, you know, like a crash Davis and bull Durham where he's got the magic word. I don't know if there's really ever a magical time. I mean, the only one where I, I think I've been where I've really wanted the T was in the, uh, was in the um, Virgin islands last year against Northeastern. Like I was getting a T like that was happening and I wasn't going to stop till I did. And in that particular instance, it worked. We had nothing else going at that point. So, I mean, you know, something had to change. And so, and whatever, in that particular instance, it worked. Um, I did get the one at New Mexico. I, 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 I don't know if I was trying to get a T, but I was upset. You know, and there were some things that had happened uh, before that we it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, but an inadvertent whistle, uh, um, a flop yeah. and other stuff that had gone on. And I just thought that the officials had maybe kind of got caught up a little bit in the in the crowd and the energy, which we all do. We're humans and, and that happens. But, um, you know, officials have a tough job. Uh, they, they really do. I, I, I do think that's one thing our game can really get cleaned up. I think we're not in a good spot right now with the way the game's being officiated. Uh, uh, we listen to this every year about the physical play and the traveling and the movement, and it just, nothing really seems to change. Um, and so we, I, I, I do think that's one area we can really clean up and, and, uh, but it's not just us. I think it's, it's, it's everywhere, but I, 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 I don't like the direction we're moving there. What do you, what do you think of the new flop uh, rule that they had? I, I mean, we've, we've kind of been hurt by it a few times uh, this season, especially against Nevada. What, what, what was the thought process in that to begin with? And then. Well, players had developed an art form of, of flopping, really, whether it was taking a charge, whether it's kicking their feet out on a three, um, you know, really making life difficult on the officials. Right. I mean, fishing for content. And there's certain guys who are awesome at it, you know, and I, I, I can't say any names here on the podcast, but uh, there's certain guys who we all know we can watch the film and they're professionals at it. And, you know, coaches, sometimes, you know, we have to teach certain ways to, you know, you take an offensive foul. How do you sell it? Um, so I think, you know, it really created a ton of challenges because it got old, right? It's like, turn on the NBA. I mean, it's, it's nuts. I mean, these guys, I mean, it's, it's, that's a whole nother ball game, but, um, I don't, I think it's so difficult to officiate Mike and, and every official's different. I mean, I had a guy 
you know, who in the game early in the season here, he called a couple of flaps and I'm like, you really going to be calling that? Like, and come on, man, you're not going to call that call in February in conference play. Get out of here, man. It's the first game of the season. And, you know, we exchange whatever. And I had another official like, you know, name any names too. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, he snapped his head, but he flopped. And he's like, Nico, I'm never, I don't care what they tell me. I'm never calling that shit. Like they'll end up fighting. I'm excuse me. This is a, a family program. I know this, uh, uh, but I'm not calling that. Like, I don't care what they tell me. Come on. That's ridiculous. And I actually appreciated his honesty. It's just like, come on, man. Like, I'm not going to call that call. And he's a, he's a high level official. And so I think officials have, they're all over the board on how they call this stuff. And so how are you supposed to know what to do? And again, I appreciate the spot that they're in. They're in a really difficult situation too, but I just don't like how any of this is evolving. <laughs> my, my sorry, that was PG-13, opinion is it's the, dumbest, sorry. Yep. it's the absolute dumbest thing that they, they could have added, tried to add to the game because I, I mean, just, just call either call offensive fouls or just don't call anything and just let the game just keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last question for me, Nico, um, while we have you, are you confident that you can get Tad Boyle to resume the series in Moby next year? Or is she still being dodgy once again? Gosh, I, I hope so. You know, I, I, again, I understand the, First of all, you know, I, I understand the rivalry and, and everything like that. And I understand I, it's easy for me to say, and I, and I do, I think it's a game that should be played in both football and men's basketball every year. I think that everything we do now is not predicated towards the fans. I think that's what makes college athletics great. Uh, um, I understand the challenges of doing that with the Pac-12's 20 game schedule and all those things, but it's a good game for both. You know, I mean, you go down and obviously the way we lost was devastating, but it's it's going to end up a quad one, quad two loss. You come to to Moby the way we've been, it's the same kind of thing, you know, and and so I I, I really hope um, that we're able to do that. I, I think it would be too bad uh, um, for everybody involved if we didn't. Um, I do think Tad understands that, um, but I'm also sensitive to the challenges that they have. But I'm I'm hopeful moving forward that we're able to do it. You guys got anything else? I have one more, and I can't believe I haven't asked this in the past because, I mean, with the whole food thing, I think <laughs> the first time we talked about your smoker, but being from Minnesota, where's your go-to Juicy Lucy? Man, that's funny. It's been forever since I've had a Juicy Lucy. I can't – that's been – I mean, post-college days, man, since I've went down and had the Juicy Lucy. But no, I, I guess I say that like people make them at home. So I mean, my brother back in the city, every once in a while, they'll, they'll fire up their own version on the grill or, or, or whatever. But it's funny, actually, Mike, you brought that up. I'll have to try that at home. You know what I mean? To, 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 to do that. But no, I, I love food. I like to eat. I like to cook. I like to do all that stuff. I'm not at your level and I have a Traeger. So I just cheat now. I used to have an old school smoker, but I'm just a cheater now because I don't have as much time to do the, to that's do the not prep. cheating. That is not cheating. I have, I have a, a Traeger as well. So they're awesome. That's just, that's just smart. You, that, that, you know what? You're right. Smarter. Like, that That's, I, I think that's a, that's a great way to put it. And um, can I say something before you guys let me go? Hey, whatever you want coach you know i i, I want to you know and, and i think i probably speak for most coaches like this way is that you know for me i i uh 
I love Fort Collins. Uh, 2022 has been what was one of the most special years of my life. Um, there's been ups and downs, you know, in so many ways, like there isn't everyone year life. And, but I'll say this, you know, myself, you know, we take a tremendous amount of pride and responsibility of coming through, you know, for the fans and the people who believed in us, who hired us and do that. And it hurts us too deeply. You know, we've, built so much momentum here in our program and it, it hurts us too deeply. And it's not something that, that we take likely we want to win. We want to come through for all of you. We feel it too. You know what I mean? And so that doesn't necessarily make fans feel better today. You know what I mean? About what it is. I understand that. I understand what we sign up for and what we do, but I, I, I want, you know, fans to understand that. And, and I have a lot of belief in, in what we do and how we do things. And, you know, things may not be going the way that we want right now, but you know, I, uh, um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get it figured out. Well, we, you know, I, Nico, to play along that theme, um, I had a, after the, a couple of games ago, I think after the San Jose state game, I talked a little bit with Ali for Oakmanesh and, uh, you know, I, I have a kind of a great philosophy in life. Everybody goes through adversity. Um, and the funny part about adversity is just, uh, it, life is kind of, it's not linear. It's lived in circles and, there's a point where just where you think you're the furthest, furthest away, it means things are about to turn and you're about to get a lot closer to, to, to where you want to head. And we're probably at that point where we're around the circle and we're headed, we're going to head in the right direction. Things are going to turn. And uh, I honestly believe that with this group, I look at, you know, I look at the, you know, we took a step back uh, yesterday with the Air Force game, but the, the Fresno game sure as heck was a, was a good solid game. No one's beaten them all year by 20 points and they've played a lot of good teams. Um, and so this team has the, uh, it has the tools. It has the ability. We obviously have a great coaching staff. It's just a matter of developing the, uh, the consistency from possession to possession and being able to play 65, 70 possessions on both ends of the floor. We can do it. We've demonstrated it, but it's, it's, we obviously have a way to go. No, we, we do. And, and I do believe things will turn when they're going to turn, you know, I don't know. And, you know, again, I, I think we've kind of described it, you know, from the off season until now, there's been a lot, it's been a really, really challenging in a lot of ways, but I do, I think that as change happens, um, things happen, you figure your way out of it. How do we evolve here uh, um, without changing? And, um, but this group, this group um, got a good group of guys. Uh, we really do. Um, I know we can be better than we are. And that's our challenge is to do that. And so um, they'll keep working at it. Um, we know the league is as good as it's, as it's been from top to bottom, there's going to be challenges, but the one thing, you know, I think, you know, anybody can beat anybody on a given night. And I think you see that all over college basketball. And so we'll keep plugging away and we'll get back on the practice floor tomorrow and um, get ready for, uh, for UNLV on Saturday. And Mike and I will be there to see you on Saturday. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, we look, we look, we look forward to that. And um, the Thomas and Mac has not been kind to us the last couple of years. So maybe we can change the, change the fortunes. Well, Santa brought this trip to my daughter Willow. So, uh, so there we go. Feeling, feeling yeah. confident. Well, Why we're Santa, looking forward to it. Santa knows how to please mom and dad too, huh? <laughs> yeah we won't go there like yeah hey, hey, nico thank you very much not 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 many big time college basketball coaches would do this with a for a fan podcast and i'll, just, I'll do it any guys i'll do it anytime and i'm never here to hide and it's funny is 
it stinks that it was after last night and, you know, when things look the way they do, but, but again, that's not sometimes, you know, that's a, maybe that's how it's supposed to be, you know, right now. And, and uh, I'm always willing to come on here anytime. Appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks coach. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Great conversation with coach Nico Medved before we recap a little bit of that and, and conclude here, let me tell you about Ginger and Baker. They're a fantastic place with two great restaurants, the cash which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine, good whiskey. I see Steve's eyes lighting up. He loves Ginger and Baker. The cafe currently has an $18 special that includes roasted pork shanks, broccolini, mashers, and apple sage jus. Check out that masterpiece. Ginger Baker also has a coffee shop, bakery, event spaces, market, and a teaching kitchen. They recently added a bunch of new classes this month due to the popularity and, and to open up some New opportunities, since a bunch of them were already sold out, they'll have a speakeasy cocktail class, breakfast for dinner class, pot pie class, and more. So check out gingerbaker.com slash calendar. You'll see all the events coming up in the coming months. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. Well, guys, uh, before we just close down, just wanted to kind of get your thoughts. Um, I know that, you know, you can hear in his voice the disappointment of how the season has gone, certainly this point of, of the game last night. You know, it's it's been a struggle for him with this group. He's not getting the best play out of his players. He's having a hard time with rotations. But we, we know him to have always kind of had the magic touch in games, right? He's always pulled the right strings in years past. And there have been games this year where it seems like, you know, no matter what he does, we can't, we can't, can't get it done, right? And it seems like if we're getting killed by a particular player or a scheme – we don't necessarily have the answers. He usually would have a something to combat that in the past. Right now, nothing he touches. It seems to be working. What are your thoughts on on Coach Nico and staff and and how things have gone? You know, I people know I think the world of him. I think we're so fortunate to have a coach of his quality in Fort Collins. You look at the last three seasons: sixty-five wins, um, the second most. Uh, we have as many wins as San Diego state in the last three years, you know, uh, and this is, this year's a little bit of an anomaly. We got caught with our pants down. We lost David. Um, it was hard to replace. And, you know, we can talk all, all day about, Oh yeah, let's just go out and get, uh, let's just go out and get these six, nine guys and these six, six, seven, 250 pound guys. Cause they grow on trees bottom line is they don't grow on trees and the bottom line is there's something uh, more in play here these days in terms of NIL and CSU right now is at a tremendous disadvantage. If you look at the progress New Mexico made in the off season, they were terrible last year. They won what five games last year. Um, and they had a nice backcourt, two really good guards and a good sub, uh, good small forward and absolutely zero big man. And what did they do? They went out and they got a couple of six, eight, 240 pound guys in the portal. Um, and they didn't come free. Um, I heard from a source and this is no one, no one connected to CSU. This is somebody I know outside of CSU who told me that New Mexico has a uh, NIL kitty of a million dollars available to them and that they've spent in the neighborhood of hundreds of thousands of dollars to bring those uh, those two big men in. So, you know, CSU did not have that, does not have that, is not as far advanced in terms of the NIL and the collectives and all of that. Uh, that's a direction, obviously, CSU needs to keep moving uh, in a positive way. 
like I said, those players, they don't grow on trees. They show up uh, when the money tree is, is, is in front of them. And uh, uh, that, that's one of the things we dealt with this year. You know, and one thing our fans really need to realize, that's not on Joe Parker. That's not on Coach Medved or Norvell or any of the other head coaches. The NCAA, as loosey-goosey as this is, Schools aren't supposed to do that. Schools aren't supposed to be the ones that set up the collective. It is up to fans. It is up to boosters. It is up to donors. And we haven't had that. And we never have. You know, you you look at our old Ram Club. It was always pulling teeth to get people to join that, even at $100. It's, It's what Weber's been doing is amazing. The Green and Gold Collective, I love it. And hopefully that thing starts making leaps and bounds. But if we're gonna bitch about this, you got you to gotta break out your wallet. And it just drives me crazy whenever I see people on the message boards blaming Parker and blaming our coaches for it. It's not up to them. It's up to us. Yeah, the, Mikey, the answer's in the mirror. That's for sure. You could hear Nico holding back some of the real frustrations that he has with where college basketball is right now. I mean, if you are out there looking for that transfer portal like we all said hey let's go get that big transfer that the length the the power forward to replace david roddy it's not as easy as just going in the portal and plucking who you want or making your pitch if everybody else out there if you're in the the market for a guy and and there's five other competitors going after him offering six figures and we're offering zero you know that there's no way that you're going to compete with that and and know he says all the right things that they're going to look for guys that where the NIL isn't the priority a one with, with a recruit, but even if it's not priority a one and you are a student athlete that has an opportunity to go to CSU or New Mexico and at CSU, you get zero as much as you might love it there or New Mexico, you have a chance to, to make a hundred thousand dollars. That's probably as much as I love CSU. That's, that's a lot of money to a, to a kid to, to go play basketball in college. So those are real, real issues right now that, you know, I, I don't know if in his wildest dreams, he thought that he would be dealing with this Nico Medved and, and this staff, you know, until just this came on the scene in the last couple of years. And it's really changed everything. And if you don't have the, if you're not equipped and backed by an alumni base and um, that, that has those kind of assets at your disposal to, to be able to offer that to players, then what is he supposed to do? So it's it's, it's kind of, to me, guys, I know, Mike, that you're a big proponent of this. I think this has taken a little bit of luster away from my love for college athletics, just seeing how this has affected, negatively affected our university that we love and the sport that we love. It's, 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 it's going to go in cycles. It, it, it really is. And, and I think, you know, two, two things, two things that I've, I've heard just over the last few weeks, David Roddy talking about they love him in Memphis and, and they love him on the social media. And he's, he said about four or five times that if you're a, if you're a recruit, you need to pick culture, not everything else, not the money, not the other stuff, not the logo. You need to fit, uh, find the right culture for you and the right fit. And I think that's one of the things and I, and I know Nico kind of talked about, you know, one of the things that's, that's going to happen with this is, is you're going to find more, high school guys. And I think this is going to be the big thing with that is finding that right fit. The other thing I heard Chris Fowler from ESPN from college game day 
I mean, I think most most fans know that he's that he is a buff that he went to see you, and they had him on a couple days after the the Dion announcement. And one of the things that he said is, if you're getting guys that are committing because of money, are they really committed? You know. And then he brought up Texas A and M. Everyone they were the they were the hot thing last year in in college football and college football recruiting. They spent so many millions on that. How many guys have they had leave the program? And I think that's it, it, it's gonna it's right now. Yes, it seems like CSU's taking it, but honestly, I would rather have a Tavy and a, and a Kyle Evans right now, and a Jack Payne who hasn't seen the floor, who's redshirting. But I think those guys are gonna be Roddy and Stevens and Tanjay that took the program from where we were in 2019 to where we're upset now because we're 500. Yeah. You know, I, Joel, I, I share a lot of your thoughts in terms of, you know, I, it, I'm an old man and I've been through this whole college thing and there's certain aspects of the, of what we're going through that don't feel very comfortable to me. And yet um, I, I get it. And, you know, you kind of have to appreciate and, and embrace change and a lot of the changes for the better. One of the things um you know, the, that I love about the, the CSU program, Mike's just been kind of hitting on it, is it is a developmental program. Um, we've taken a little bit of a hit with this whole this whole transfer portal with the NIL. Um, the hope is that it's a very short-term uh, effect, that the philosophy of remaining a developmental program that brings in better and better high school kids, and believe me, we're getting some pretty good high school kids now, um, develop them over a few years, get them NBA ready like a uh, like a Roddy, and then fill in the holes. And there's going to be NIL needs to fill the the developmental player part of the program and to bring in the appropriate transfer here or there. We're caught with our pants down in the short term, but it's something that that we can uh, it, it can be uh, overcome and built. Uh, over time, if people will commit to to making it happen and accept and embrace the uh, uh, what's necessary with the, the changes that are going on, um, just going out and getting a bunch of transfers ain't the answer. Um, you know, we can you can talk about successes at some places, but I can tell you there's a place about 70 miles north of Fort Collins that isn't real happy. Uh, with the transfers they got this year, everybody was going all gaga about uh, about the two transfers from USC and the one from UCLA. And lo and behold, um, I heard from somebody again, this is completely outside of the CSU program. I heard from somebody that the Wyoming coach is not very happy with those three players. And in fact, the only reason those three guys are playing now is because of injuries. You look at last night's box score with uh, with Utah State and they got smoked. <laughs> the three guys that were the major contributors were all recruits. The guys that transferred who all played basically added nothing to the game. So uh, it's, it's, it, you, you can go overboard the, the other way as well. Um, I think the approach that's going on here is the right one. It's going to take a little time to structure the NIL uh, and fit that in with the whole concept of a developmental program. And I have every bit of confidence that we have a staff that uh, not as not only is committed to doing it, but very capable of making it happen. You do have to kind of get lucky with the right transfer, the guy that will fit into your culture, the guy that buys into the new staff and the philosophy and teammates and, and it doesn't always work out. So I, I agree with you 
I love having our, I love having the philosophy of recruiting the high schools. It also helps the fan base, right? You get to know these guys over the course of four years. It's not a one, one and done, not a two and done or whatever. And so, so I, I really like this approach and I feel like we're going to be doing this because of the whole NIL thing when it just adds another reason why this is the right approach. So um, last thing for me before we wrap up guys is, I guess if, if you're the coach, if you're Nico, how do you approach the rest of the season right now? What do you focus on this next stretch? You know, you got games coming up, which is only going to get tougher. You're at UNLV, which you guys will both be there. Uh, that's Saturday. Then you've got San Diego State at home Wednesday. Then you got rival Wyoming on the on the road, as down as they seem to be. That's never going to be easy. Um, and then you're at Boise after that. So then you got four really tough games coming up. What do you focus on to try to get things back on track and playing some better basketball? Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens at UNLV. We've struggled there the last couple of years, even with really good team last year, we got beat by 20. Um, and so um, I think they need to, obviously you heard, you heard from Nico, they've got to tighten up the defense, um, really tighten it up. Um, they got to start rebounding the ball better. UNLV is not a great rebounding team. We, we should be able to make some progress against them. Um, a little more concerned about San Diego State coming in. Um, I think they rebound the ball pretty well, and they're obviously the class of the league. But tighten up the defense, get the rotations a little tighter. As we heard from Nico, it's just been a it's been a it's been a haul, and they're still trying to figure out the team. Um, but tighten up the rotations a little more um, and go from there. I'm actually excited. I, I'll probably I, I'll make plans. If you saw something I tweeted earlier in the, the week, I'm going to make plans to go to Wyoming, too, because there is a chance that Isaiah Stevens can break the all time CSU assist record, breaking Ryan Yoder's record. He had four last night. He's at 509. Yoder is at 530. So Isaiah has 21 to go. Depending, and he's been averaging about seven a game. Uh, so there's a good chance that he will have a chance to break the uh, record or, or, uh, in uh, Wyoming. And so I would like to be there for that. I think, you know, getting back to the kind of the theme, Joel, of the, 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 the developmental program and the four-year players and, and non-transfers, we're seeing somebody who's really an incredible player in Isaiah, who when he all is said and done is going to be the all-time leader in assists. He's going to be somewhere in the top three, I believe, in scoring uh, when he's finished. Um, this is a four-year player, not a transfer, and it sure has been fun to watch him grow from the time he was a freshman starting his very first game all the way through his senior year. And as, as difficult as this is, this has been a heck of a it's, – it's a heck of a time to be able to watch him and experience kind of the benefits of the program that Nico, Nico runs with the kinds of players he brings in. I still have faith in this team. I, I definitely have faith in this staff. I think I think our staff is from top to bottom is is amazing. You know, you look back to 2003, we lost seven straight Mountain West games. You look, we we started off well, had some big wins, non-conference. Uh then kind of fell apart right at the end. CU kicked our ass uh in Boulder by 21 points, you know. Uh, sound familiar, right? And and we came out and, and won a couple games to start, but then we lost seven straight. We lost eight of nine uh, games in the Mountain West, and then we won two or three going into the tournament. But that team had the talent, and we saw what happened. They came in. They won the Mountain West tournament. 
I, I truly believe this team and this staff has the talent to do that as well. Um, we've seen it. We saw it last Saturday against Fresno State. You know, you brought it up. No team has done that to them this year. They had just got done, you know, beating New Mexico fairly easily a few days before they came here. And, and they had an extra day of rest compared to what we did. And, you know, we were coming in from, from the – North uh, Northern California as well. So it wasn't like they, we had this rest up like, like they did just because we played at home. I think we have the talent. I think we have the ability to do what we did in 2003. I also think we could do what happened in 2004 when we had an extremely talented team and completely fell on our faces that year with, I, I want to say is like what, 14 and 17. We had, we had a sub 500 record that season. We don't have Steve's favorite coach, Dale Layer, like we did back then. <laughs> I like Dale. Dale's uh, still a very Dale is actually still a very good friend of mine. We still communicate every once in a while. That's awesome. I'll never forget that picture of you wearing your Duke sweatshirt and him putting his hand on you and covering up the Duke emblem. And yeah, well, guys, that was uh, really insightful. And not uh, not too many Division One coaches are going to spend 45 minutes talking to a bunch of fans, you know, on a podcast. So that that's pretty special of him. Shows you what kind of human he is, and uh, you know, he has proven that he can coach. He's proven he can recruit, uh, and he's proven he can turn around programs. And right now, he's just had a little bit of blip in the road here. And I, you know, he'll he'll figure it out. The staff will get it figured out. It may not be as fast as we want, uh, but. Not for a second do I doubt that he's the right guy, and you know they're they're navigating some pretty in, interesting challenges right now. So, but uh, appreciate all you guys' insights and and uh, commentary and and all the time as usual, guys. And uh, Steve, good to have you back, and Michael, you as well. Yep, Joel, it's always great to get together with you. Uh, thanks for doing these things. I appreciate it. Ram Nation is a is a hell of a site, and you're a hell of a hell of an owner and. Uh, a, to, and to, to do what you do in terms of providing uh, people like Nico to the to the fan base is incredible. And then and Mike, you're awesome. And I look forward to seeing you on Saturday at uh, UNLV. Yeah, I can't wait. You guys enjoy that. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Hopefully uh, the Rams can get back on track at UNLV this Saturday. We will talk to you next week. Go Rams. I got my grub on, but didn't pick out. Got a call from a girl.